ever touch or see physically with your eyes. He is so, so real. Oh, he is real. He's so good. He's so wonderful. He's not just a fiction of our imaginations or someone who lived a long time ago that we choose to sing about because it's fun, but he is so, so real. And my prayer is that as we continue to to seek him together as family, to chase after him, to listen to his word, to understand what it means to be partners with him in mission, that he would become even more real to us day by day. That it wouldn't just be words, it wouldn't just be text, but he is the living word. He's alive. Oh, Jesus, he's alive. Let's open our eyes to see you. He makes all the difference, all the difference. <sighs> he's so good, so he's just so good. He's wonderful, oh, he's wonderful. Oh, he's so wonderful. You're good, Jesus, you're so wonderful. Oh. I love being part of this church family. Every time I look around the room, I'm reminded of how good God is in the faces of the people in this room. Because I know in my life he's been good, but I know in our lives he's been good. And that's the beauty of family. That's the beauty of testimony. Oh, gosh. Why don't you just take a moment to do that? Why don't you just look around the room and allow yourself to glance and be reminded of the goodness of God in someone else's life other than yours? He's so good. And we are together. I say this because we together, it's so important that we remember it is us together, our partners with him on his mission. We are the church, albeit a small expression of the church worldwide. We together. And we can see him in his word. We can see him when we encounter him, but we can see him in one another's faces. That's really important to look at one another and to honor and appreciate the Jesus in one another and the Holy Spirit in one another, to receive from one another and to know that I need you. I need the uniqueness of what Jesus has put in you and you need the uniqueness of what Jesus has put in me so we can do this thing together. We are partners in mission and today we want to look at how every single facet of our life is supposed to point to Jesus. Everything about us, about our very makeup, our being, our existence. Because as we've heard for a few weeks now, mission isn't just something we do, it's who we are. And so our whole life is mission because our whole life is supposed to put Jesus on display. It's supposed to point people to the one true God. And just like Jesus, you know, we know we are sent. We are sent into this world to put him on display. He sends us in the same way. And so if that's the purpose, then absolutely everything about us, wherever we are, however we carry ourselves, it's supposed to point to Jesus, whether it's really public or really small, or even unseen sometimes. Our integrity points to Jesus. The stuff that we do that maybe not he sees and he knows and our integrity 
points to Jesus. So even if it's unseen. And so let's go to John chapter 17 and read Jesus' also wonderful prayer that he prayed just before he went to the cross, that he prayed for his disciples and for us. John 17, and verse 1, it says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I come from you, that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I send them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. 
and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. This prayer is so encouraging because it's great when Jesus prays for us. But it also gives us incredible insight to the way Jesus understands his being sent, which is important because he sends us in the same way that he was sent. And for Jesus, God, his father, was not his employer. He prays. Father, the hour has come. Our mission is not a job we're given by an employer or by a boss where we clock in and we clock out and I've done my shift and it's over. Because if that were the case, then Jesus would have clocked in and clocked out and now I'm done. But everything about Jesus was about what his father has sent him to do. His whole desire was that his father's will would be done, even when it was painful, even when it was hard. His whole life was about his father's work, but not as an employer in the context of relationship. And a couple of weeks ago, Richard was, was speaking about how it's so important to understand that we are sons and daughters and that is how we do mission and why we do mission. And it's absolutely vital because when we have the mentality of it's just something I do, um, <laughs> if we're really honest, we can, it's, it, it, I don't know what your relationship is like with your boss if, if you do have a job or you volunteer, but we're not always the best people like in terms of relationship because you're trying to always impress or just do it for the sake of it and then I'm done and then I'm gone. And if we're really honest when we think about missions, sometimes we can think about this, something I do because I have to do it and if I don't do it, I'll get told off for not doing it and I really should do it and then once I've done it, I'm kind of expecting some kind of reward maybe and then I move on. But God is not our employer. He's our father. We are no longer slaves, we are sons and daughters. And there's this incredible tale of two sons in Luke chapter five, 15, sorry. And one son decided to ask his father for everything that he, you know, he, he was coming to him and he ran away and he squandered it. And he comes home when he realizes who he is actually in my father's house. Even the slaves are treated well. But in verse 28, the, it says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, after all these years, I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered all your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened cow for him. This is what the father says. He reminds him, my son, said the father, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. 
the difference, they're both sons, and we are sons and daughters of God. Positionally, that is a given. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you are a son or a daughter. But sometimes we can lose our awareness of what that actually means, and therefore we don't live in the fullness of what that means. And we can begin to say to God, I've been slaving for you for years. I've been doing this and I've been doing that. And and these other people are not doing as much as I'm doing. And we lose awareness and we begin to think he's an employer because we've been slaving for him. But actually, joining in the mission of God is is about family. It's about father and son, father and daughter. It's relational. And all Jesus wanted was the father's will to be done because he loved him. And therefore, it wasn't something he turned on and turned off. It was his whole entire being. And when his time on this earth was up, he says, I'm coming back to you. And I long for everyone to come and be with us too. I know personally, this is me being really honest, in the dashboard of my life, when I begin to view God as an employer, is when I begin to get frustrated or jealous of other people who seem to be having a really good time because they're not working as hard for the Lord as I am. It's me being really honest. And when that happens, I've switched to, this is my whole life because this is my father whom I love to, I'm doing a job for him. And I can get frustrated and I lose the joy of partnering with him. And I enter into that older brother mentality. Doesn't change the fact that I'm a loved son of God, but it changes how I view him, how I view myself, therefore how I do mission. And so we can do mission as our identity from a place of sonship, or we can do mission because it's not impossible. With like the number of times I've done stuff begrudgingly, (laughs) didn't feel like, oh, I have to do this. God will still use it. Like, he will still use it. We still see wonderful testimonies of people come to know him. People are frustrated. I'm doing this because someone is looking at me, and if I don't do it, they'll, be, you know, they'll tell me off because I'm not being a good Christian. And God still uses that. But I don't think that's the place God wants us to live in. doesn't mean we don't do things that push us or, like, are uncomfortable. But actually, it's far more better when we understand who we are, and therefore we are living it fully, completely in everything that we do. It points to Jesus because we are in him and he is in us because he is our father and we are his children. I remember when I was at boarding school. I went to boarding school between the, like for two and a half years in, in Zambia. And in Zambia, if you don't have an education, the prospects are not good. Right? You, you need an education to go anywhere, really. But no education is free. So here education is free, but in Zambia education is not free. So families need to work really hard to get money to send their kids to school. And I remember my parents sending me to boarding school at the age of 11. I know it was really small, but it was the right thing to do at the time. And I remember we did not have a lot of money. We were not flush with cash. And I remember it must have took a lot of sacrifice for them to ensure that I got an education. And I remember really vividly one afternoon being sat in the classroom looking outside and it was really sunny thinking, I really don't want to be studying for this test I have coming. I just want to be somewhere else. But then I remembered the sacrifice my parents had made to put me there. 
And what I wanted in that moment was to do my best, not so I could impress them, but so that they could have the reward of seeing me live a fulfilled life. And so I worked hard, not because I had to, but because I understood what it took to put me in that place. And every time I got lazy or got, you know, a bit, I remembered what they did. And that was what motivated me to work hard because I wanted them to be full of joy. And the same way, sometimes when I'm feeling, I'm not really up to it, God, or I'm feeling a bit scared to talk to this person, I remember the sacrifice that Jesus made so that I can have life. And I want him to have his reward. And his reward is many sons and daughters coming back to him. Many prodigals in the kingdom, his kingdom advanced. That is his, I want him to have his full reward because he gave everything for me. And that is how we do mission whole life as sons and daughters, not as employees. It's really in our awareness because we know these things, but sometimes we lose the awareness of it and when we are aware of Jesus and aware of what like we sang this morning over and over again Jesus Jesus it's all about you it's all about your name it's all about what you've done you are good all the time it brings our focus and our awareness back to the truth of the gospel the truth of what he's done and therefore the truth of who we are and so in Philippians chapter 2 we're encouraged in our walk in our, with Jesus to look at him, to consider him, to remember him, and then to do likewise. It's in Hebrews, it says in Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Consider him who has endured so much so that you will not go weary. And there's something in looking at Jesus, considering him, remembering who he is and what he's done that enables our whole life to orient towards him. Not because we're just trying to do something in a moment, but because it's simply who we are. Because we're so aware of who he is all the time. Not just turning it on and turning it off. And so in Philippians chapter 2, from verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I love the context for this next poem. In your relationships with one another, have this in mind. In your relationships with one another, have Jesus in mind. Who being, verse six, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, that even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. <laughs> I, this scripture always, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, you know, <laughs> it always gets me. Grumbling is one of those things that's not always public. I could be smiling on my face and grumbling in my heart. But Jesus says in his word through this letter, through Paul, that to be children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How many of you know that we live in a warped and crooked generation still? But the way to shine amongst stars is to consider Jesus, is to remember him, and to be like him in every single area and aspect of our lives. When I'm, it's when I'm at home and with my family, getting impatient because something's, I don't know, I'm not getting my way. Or when I'm in public with other people and rather than loving, I'm judging or when I'm grumbling because things are not being done the way I think they should be in my workplace or elsewhere. Jesus says every single part of your life is supposed to point and reflect me. Not just turning something on and off because it's easy to behave a certain way in a certain context because that's what I should do. I know people can really see through whether or not there is a true experience of Jesus in your life or you're just trying to put something on. People can tell if I'm just trying to deliver a five-minute message or if I actually have evidence of the transformative power of Jesus working in and through my life. Because when this happens, I shine like a star. Like it's visible. It's incredible how living a life directed towards him, honoring others above myself. These small, small things that don't seem grand or don't always seem public, like they don't necessarily sound like mission, 
but preferring others, not quarreling, looking at other people's interests, the way I posture my heart towards others and towards God, not grumbling and complaining, showing integrity, not stealing that pen at work because they've got loads and no one will ever notice. <laughs> right? All these things, the, 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 the character, the who he is reforming and finding us to be, are what display him and cause us to shine like stars. And those things you don't turn on and turn off. Well, you might do if someone's watching, if your boss is watching, you might not take a pen. But when I understand who I am in him, when I understand how much he's done for me and how much he loves me, when I understand I only have life because he gave his life, and when I understand that his reward is to see so many more people have that, Everything from my inside out becomes mission. Because it's all wanting to reflect him and point to him. And that's his reward and that's my reward. Christ is my reward. And there's so many things that can distract or seem like they're important. But they're temporal. They're not eternal. I won't take them with me when I leave this earth. And so we're not called to do mission as employees. We're called to do mission as sons and daughters, as every single aspect of our lives. Like from, it's not an act. And Jesus doesn't want it to be an act. Because there's so much life found living in him. That is where true life is. And when we're in that place, when we're resting and we're abiding and we're reading his word and we're seeing him in his word, in one another, Everything about us changes. And there is, uh, what's the word? Um, your outward life is the same as your inner life. When your outward life is not the same as your inner life, you feel unsettled. You might not know that's what it is, but it's because you're acting. And actually, Jesus wants us to be whole. He doesn't want us to feel like we're trying to impress. Or he just wants us to live in the fullness of his love. And as we are filled with the fullness of God in understanding his love for us, that's what Paul prays. I pray that you would understand how much God loves you so you'd be filled with the fullness of the measure of God. And when I'm filled with the fullness of the measure of God, I don't have to put mission on and off. It's just all the time in everything and all that I do. And so I'm going to ask the band to come up. Do you guys want to come up? I should need to think for a moment. Maybe we could close our eyes. It might help. If you're comfortable, just close your eyes. And just ask the Holy Spirit if, if you have been doing mission from a place of, yeah, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I know who I am, or maybe I'm behaving more like an employee. Maybe I'm behaving a bit more like I have boxes to take and standards to meet, just so I can respond and tell somebody I did it. And I'm not saying that accountability is, is, is not good. But what I am saying is that Jesus wants us to be whole, to know who we are so we don't have to try to be something. We just live in the fullness of who we actually are. In every single aspect and area of our lives, seen and unseen. And just to ask the Holy Spirit, how aware of you am I right now during my week 
Am I more aware of trying to live a Christian life than I am of Jesus who is life? Because when I'm more aware of trying to live a Christian life, I will do things in my own strength and in my own way. And I'll miss out on the peace and the rest and the love and the true transformative power that comes by simply knowing him and being changed from the inside out by him. we want every area of our life to reflect you not because we're trying trying hard to do something but simply because you're good and you're real and you're worth displaying and so Holy Spirit I pray that in each and every single heart that you would you would help bring wholeness to our inner life and our outer life, what, what it looks like, the things we do, that there wouldn't be a disconnect, but actually that we would live lives that reflect you and point to you because we are always pointed to you, because we're always facing you. And Lord, I ask you to help us to keep looking at you and facing you, because when we consider you who endures so much, we will not grow weary. And Lord, when we choose to keep our gaze on you and forget all the distractions and the things that are seemingly worth our time, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you keep our eyes fixed on you because you're so real and you're so good and you're so worth it. So Jesus, I pray in this moment as we as we sing to you once more, as we worship you, I pray that you'd become realer, so much realer in this moment, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd be too real for us to describe. God, we don't just want to talk about it. You are real and you are powerful and you are love. So I pray for a fresh encounter right now, Jesus, that completely transforms us again everything within us longs for all of you to walk in purity before you because we love you and because you gave everything